next are smart enough to know better. This is episode 68 of Smart Enough to Know Better, a podcast of science. Comedy. And ignorance. I am Gregoire. And I'm Dan Beeston. Science, Dan. Go. Well, you're very eager to get into this. Boom. You know what? I think I'm going to ease in. <laughs> ease in. I'm going to let the, the uh, science uh, paddle around my ankles uh, for a while. Uh. And I'm gently going to tippy-toe in Ooh. as it creeps up my legs, getting colder and colder. And then the science is going to lap at my genitals. And that's always the most unpleasant Ooh. part. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm now freaked out. Uh, I, I might be talking about coming swimming. Right. I did some science this week. Yes. It wasn't a double blind test. It was a single blind test. Mm-hmm. My lovely wife, the frog princess, mm-hmm. well, we ran out of milk. She said, why don't you just have the milk in the box? You know, the box milk. Oh, yes, yes. We got some of that. UHT milk. Yeah, that's yes. the stuff. And I said, because it's fake milk, it sucks. And she said, why do you call it fake milk? It's just milk. I said, no, it tastes totally weird. Mm. She said, they taste identical. Mm. I said, well, we'll see about that. So I bought some real milk mm-hmm. and some fake milk, mm-hmm. and I dropped their temperature to the same level. Yes. Now, usually I get the, the light milk, mm-hmm. but I got some full cream milk because mm-hmm. that's what the UHT is. Mm-hmm. And so then I get, gave it to her, and she filled up four, four glasses, mm-hmm. two of them with the real milk and two with the fake milk. Mm-hmm. And I put on a blindfold <laughs> so I couldn't look at them because they do look a bit different. Right. And, and, and she, she numbered them and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I tested them all and I tasted it and went, that's real. I tested the next one and went, that's real too. The next one, that's definitely fake. Mm-hmm. Fourth one, that's fake. And she went through them and she said, the first one, you're right. Second one, you were wrong. Mm. The third one, you were right. The fourth one, you were wrong. There you go, 50-50. And I went, but that's ridiculous because it's quite obvious which is which. Mm. Like I could taste it now, boom, boom. You've confu- You've mixed them, those two up. And she's gone, I may have mixed those two up. <laughs> and we never got back to the experiment. <laughs> so in the end, you don't know if UHT milk and regular milk taste the same. No, I do. Oh, they, okay. They're quite obviously different. And, I was, and they're so different, I was able to point out her mistake with the numbering. <laughs> I see. If only all science was so easy mm. and unnecessary to replicate. True. You know what else is really, really hard to understand and that we don't know all about yet? Sex. Uh, maybe. Ladies. Uh, weather. Social etiquette. Weather. Whether or not social weather, weather, the weather, the weather with a capital V, meteorological weather. Mm -hmm. Yes, we don't know much about that. Buckley's, but we should probably remedy that. I don't even know what happens on a nice sunny day. (laughs) You let alone when the weather gets exciting. That's true. We should probably fix that. Well, I know just the man. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast, Dean Narrowmore. Hello, Dean. G'day, how are you? 
I am very well. Oh, so ocker. I feel like you've just strutted out of a sheep farm. <laughs> Mate, I grew up in the country for 15 years, so it's a bloody great accent, the Australian accent, so... It is pretty good. It oh, is. We, it we is. have some international listeners who are like, I can't tell what he's saying at all. Yeah. If you look down the bottom of your listening device, we're going to put the <laughs> subtitles down there. You'll be able to see them there. <laughs> yeah. no it, it's funny you do mention that. I've spent many times in America, and it's quite funny on the news over there a lot of times. There's bushfires in Australia, and they'll talk to one of the firefighters, and they actually do have subtitles <laughs> on the news in America. <laughs> That's pretty bizarre. So, yeah, Dean, Dean, what do you do for a living? I'm a uh, meteorologist or weatherman. No, I don't look at rocks in the sky. Um, <laughs> every time I say that I'm a meteorologist, everyone's like, oh, so is there an asteroid coming? It's like, no, no. Well, there might be, but I don't know. <laughs> exactly right, exactly right. Yes, that's right. So I'm a meteorologist. I work for the Bureau of Meteorology. I do all the forecasts and warnings that you would see on the radio, or sorry, here on the radio, see on the internet and things like that. So, but, yeah, it's a great job. But no one can predict the weather. I mean, obviously, it's just it's a random series of events that happen with any foreknowledge. Or Yeah, that's funny you mention that. As many you times. must be a witch. Yeah. <laughs> many times people go, oh, wow, you know, it's the only job in the world where you can get paid to get it wrong, you know. And, <laughs> and that's the way it hurts a little bit. But, uh, <laughs> that's not quite true. You can you, you can acquire some accuracy up to around three or four days. Yeah, look mm. at a current affair. So, I mean, they're, comp- they're paid to get, be wrong all the time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, current affair, that's a great show. Anyway. <laughs> that's all, there you go. You're saying that the most, most accurate period of time, the longer it is, the more accurate you can be, isn't it? That no, no, the less accurate. Oh, the less accurate. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, right. Of course it is. Mm. Yeah, so, yeah. Because oh. if you go outside, you're like, it's going to rain. Oh, it's already raining. There you go. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people, I didn't just stick my finger out in the air and go, oh, it's going to rain tomorrow. Yeah, look, it is fascinating stuff. But I think the, the thing with our job is, you know, a lot of people deal with something on a small range. Like, you know, if you've got bodies or a mechanic, you deal with something a couple of metres by a couple of metres. We're obviously being meteorologists. We deal with something that's 20 k's deep and thousands of kilometres across. And if you change anything... You know, in, at that level, at a certain level, to put a bit of moisture in or make it a bit colder somewhere else, it completely affects everything. And, of course, we don't have the modelling now or the computer power just yet to obviously, you know, observe and analyse all that data and then spit out a forecast. But we're getting there, slowly. So is, what you're trying to say is there's a lot of inputs then, basically, that we can't really model in real time Absol- Absolutely. Yet. I think some of our supercomputers do something like a billion calculations a minute or 30 seconds or something like that. Because there are supercomputers and they're the fastest computers in the known world. That's right. And... Most of them are set up to study the weather. Yeah. A couple of them are set up to set up, uh, to study nuclear explosions <laughs> and, and model them really well, but it's mostly weather stuff. And is, yeah, this, is, Australia, exactly is, is Australia has the seventh... Is it the seventh fastest supercomputer? No. How far back? No. Are we? 20... We're in the 30s. Oh, in the 30s. Oh, I'm sorry. There you go. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me at all. I think yeah. America have probably about 10 or so. <laughs> China's got like the first seven. One of them is actually uh, in charge of the country. So... <laughs> So, okay, so there's lots of, the weather's a pretty dynamic thing. I mean, the atmosphere is a pretty dynamic place then. Things are always changing. That always blows my mind. You've got, obviously, the temperature you mentioned and the moisture in the air, but the rotation of the planet, of course, leads to changes in the weather. And, and Yeah, that's correct. Um, the reason why cyclones and hurricanes spin like they do is to do with the Coriolis force, as same as when you see high and low pressure systems. So many of those really windy days, you know, like today, you know, here in Brisbane in early May, we had some, you know, gusty westerly winds, and that's due to a low over New Zealand, the winds are wrapping around into the low and they kind of get deflected a little bit by the Coriolis force because you're dealing with something that's, you know, a couple of thousand kilometres across. So, yeah, it's fascinating stuff. Listeners, you, you can't see this. 
but Dean is actually making the hand gestures like he's in front of a green screen, and it's a, it's enchanting. That's true. It's true. I've got that kind of classic weather meteorologist kind of atmosphere, you know, talk going. So now, do you find let's get the right out in the open? The people who are on television showing us the weather are they actually meteorologists? Very often. Some of them are. Our, our Channel 7 um, guy in uh, Brisbane currently is. He's a meteorologist, proper work with the Bureau and things like that. Um, I think there's one in Melbourne and there's one in another Sydney as well. But, yeah, the rest are just these good-looking women that are just <laughs> pointing to the screen. Yes. So it's not. So you don't need to be a meteorologist to go and show people the weather on, on the screen, really. That's correct. Television. No. Okay, so in America, like... they do, actually, which I thought was really cool. Um, a lot of TV stations in the United States, you have to be a meteorologist to go on TV, but there's nothing like that here in Australia. <laughs> protecting their patch yeah that's yeah. pretty cool well, there you go so yeah it's good fun it's good fun now you you seem really thrilled with the weather and so in my experience the weather is what people turn to talk about when they run out of interesting topics <laughs> yes so so where did where did this all stem from yeah that's a very good question i, I understand your, your town didn't get channel 10 until two, the mid 2000s <laughs> so it's all weather Yes, true. There's nothing else to do except for the clouds out there. Uh, no, no, it's kind of weird, and it's a very good question. I've been asked it a lot. A lot of people saw the movie Twister, you know, mm, back in the mm. 90s, and, oh, I love weather now, you know. But, <laughs> Debris! <laughs> yeah, Sorry, destruction, and yes. I must admit, I do kind of like that too in some way. But, uh, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, just how you're born, as weird as this sounds, but it's true, how you're born with your arms and legs and sexuality and things like that. I was also born with an obsession with weather. That's probably the best way to describe it. I've known nothing else. I've just oh, you know, wow. When I was a young kid, I used to pull stuff off the clothesline and watch it flap in, you know, hold the tea towel and watch it flap in the wind. Every time there was a storm, I'd run outside. My mum thought I was a bit special, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've just I've been obsessed with it the whole life. And all through school, I did weather forecasting for school for sports days and things like that. So I've just wow. always loved it. Yeah, so it's always it's in your blood. Then that's right. Do you come from a long line of meteorologists? Nope. Oh, my my dad's a baker and my granddad was a butcher. Right. <laughs> so. So nothing to do with weather. I should have been a candlestick maker going by, <laughs> you know, butcher baker, candlestick maker. That would have worked much, much better. I disappointed people there, yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's a second career later on. Yeah, it's side like, career. Yeah. If it doesn't work out. To become a meteorologist, what does one have to do? Like, is there a course? Yes, that's right. Uh, so I did high school and VCE or HSC. Every state's a bit different. I grew up in Victoria. And then, yes, yeah, so I went to university, studied Bachelor of Science, I majored in atmospheric science, and lucky enough for me, that also included a, a year at the University of Oklahoma in the United States, oh, really? where I got to chase tornadoes and, and study tornadoes over there as well. So wow. that was fantastic. And then after that, I had to do a yeah, just a graduate diploma in meteorology, another extra year on top of that, like an honours. And then yeah, just applied to the bureau, and uh, lucky enough, got accepted. Wait a second, like a, a minute and a half ago, I was saying that you are interested in the most boring topic on earth, and you just told me you chase tornadoes. <laughs> Weather is not the most boring topic on earth. Yeah, I'm learning this. <laughs> There's a lot more boring things I could talk about um, <laughs> that I don't know much about. But uh, <laughs> anyway, I won't go into that. Absolutely, I um, tornado chase um, mostly every year or every second year if I can in the United States in Tornado Alley. And it's an absolutely amazing experience. Last year, I was lucky and unlucky enough to be within a kilometre of the largest quarter tornado in history. Wow. It was just over 4Ks wide. Oh, well, goodness. Um, and it had wind speeds recorded about 296 miles per hour. So in the metric scale, I think that was approaching 500 kilometres an hour. What? The how do you... Like, is that really difficult to pass something that's 4 
kilometres wide that's kind of bearing down on you. Yeah, we kind of went past him. We kind of watched it develop and we're enjoying it. And then we saw it shift south and all of a sudden our road network ran out and went, oh, shit, we're in trouble here. It's coming. So we had to kind of run away from it and so did many <laughs> other people. And unfortunately, uh, four people actually died oh. on that day. And oh, it's wow. The first storm chasers in history to actually being killed by a tornado itself and not from a car accident mm. or something else. But, wow, yeah, it was one of the biggest days that uh, America had seen and that part of the world had seen in, in years. And they're not, they're not stable things, are they? are quite erratic. They don't seem to follow... They can just suddenly change direction and go somewhere else. That's right. And that was the weird thing about this. Normally, tornadoes will move somewhere in the eastern quadrant. And what I mean about that, that either move north, northeast, you know, east or east, southeast. This tornado, and one of the first that we've recorded, and we've been, you know, they've been chasing and recording tornadoes for about 50, 60 years actually moved due south. Mm. And, of course, normally the best area to see a tornado and study a tornado is kind of on its east or southeast side or even right. south of it, so you can see it go, you know, in front of you and, uh, and obviously head towards the northeast. But this one, we were, we were south of it and then it come due south and we all had to get out of the way. And it went from 1K wide to 4Ks wide in about a minute. And what? In a minute? <laughs> yeah. I, can't, I yeah. can't even comprehend. That's, 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 no. just, we've got to get out of its way. You run a kilometre to the site. It's like, okay, are we out of the way now? No, well, it hasn't. It hasn't changed direction, but now it's much bigger. So not only is it wider and definitely still going to hit us, but it's also much closer. Yeah, that's exactly right, and that's what caught a few people off guard. Caught them off guard? That's, that's <laughs> yeah, underplaying yeah. it. Probably a very slight underground. Yeah, shocked people and unfortunately killed people, but it not only moved at 40 or 50 kilometres an hour, it developed as well. So, mm. of course, you had this thing that almost developed at possibly 60, 70 kilometres an hour, and we were all on dirt oh. roads as well. So, and, and you can't, that's right, you can't just run directly away from it because it might not be a road in that direction. You've just got to go where the road takes you. Exactly right. And oh. it was all through the network. So, it was a it was an amazing experience for a while until we found out what happened later that day. Yeah. It caused traffic jams, mm. evacuations, and, and we saw some incredible damage uh, the next day when we did a damage survey. But how long yeah. did it last? Uh, I was on the ground for about an hour and ten. Wow. An hour and ten minutes. Oh, my God. I always think of it as much faster things, things that sort of touch ground and then destroy everything and then go away. Yeah. But they they can last for an hour long. Absolutely. Normally, just recently, a couple of days ago, the tornadoes that you might have seen in in some of the media, Mm. some of those are on the ground for 140, 160 kilometres, up to an hour and a half. Normally, the really big, strong storms could be that long. But you're right. The majority of tornadoes are on the ground between two and, and ten minutes or so. Right. Okay. Now, before I want to jump back because you made a comment that it travels in the east quadrant, so somewhere between south and north, sort of northeast. Why? Why does it? Why do they travel to the east? Why do they go eastwards? By the look on your face, I get the feeling that any question about tornadoes that starts with the word "why" is going to be answered with. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, we have ideas. It's just very complicated. Oh, okay, right. But, but initially, what I can tell you is we come over a couple of jet streams, which is just these strong rivers of air, you know, in different levels of the atmosphere. And they have an upper-level one, a mid-level one. So the upper-level one might be at 35,000 feet, 30,000 feet. Mm. A mid-level one would be somewhere around the 15,000 feet range. Mm. And a low-level one would be somewhere around the 5,000 feet range. Okay. Um, and then for tornado setups to develop, you need almost the same condition. You know, you need the exact right conditions, obviously, to get tornado 
tornadoes to form. Mm. And to get them form, you'd have a southwesterly low-level jet at 5,000 feet, so coming from the southwest to the northeast. Right, okay. Then a mid-level jet would come from the west, so due west to due east. east. okay. And then the yep. upper-level jet would either somewhere in the west-northwest or west-southwest and come over the top of that. So you pretty much all your winds in the in the atmosphere oh. are heading generally in a west e- to east, east motion. So, right. so you've got I see. three jet streams, and it's kind of like starting up at like a top, like a table That's top, right. like mm-hmm. what a kids a kids top. pointing in a different forty five degrees off from each other. Yep. Yeah. So you're yeah you're moving uh-huh. from and then the surface wind is a southeasterly. So you kind of go from the southeast to south to southwest to west southwest to west to west northwest. So it of course spirals that's, up. That's right. That's and, what causes storms to rotate. Uh, and and go. and so that's how it. Huh. That's pretty much how it almost always is. Is that's right. And, and is that only in Tornado Alley in? No, the US, we, or is uh, that in like the UK and yeah, UK is slightly different, but you need similar setup. They normally get water spouts to come on land because they can't get quite the instability. The instability is kind of a, a value of warm, humid air. You kind of need warm, humid air to start the storm off and, and to feed the storm. So obviously in the UK it's always cold. Yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you don't quite get that atmosphere there. But look here in Australia as well, we you know we, we get, get you know, forty we, or fifty tornadoes a year. No, really, we do. We do get tornadoes. Yeah, we do. Um, we seem to talk about them. Then. So two days ago we had a tornado off Harvey. Bay. Really? And that's right. And why does anyone mention these things? They do. Do they? We, yeah. They, oh. they happen down the like the south coast a bit, like yeah, down they towards happen, okay. mostly in eastern Australia. Early. And then normally, ones I've always heard uh, like water spouts. You're saying they're more water-based ones, not land-based ones. That one was no, no. They, the, oh, okay. You have water spouts and obviously tornadoes. Tornadoes are sort formed from supercell thunderstorms, which is a highly organised, very strong storm that normally gives you baseball hail and your crazy lightning show and things like that. Uh, water spouts can just form just in a big fluffy cloud if they get the right conditions going, normally over the water. But sometimes you can have a tornado over land that goes over water. It's still a tornado, but it's just over water. Right. Um, but it's still part of a supercell thunderstorm where a water spout can form just from a big fluffy cloud and not from a thunderstorm at all. Okay. So, oh, so we do yeah, have these them. technical things. No, yeah. no, I understand. I, I see, so we do have them. Absolutely. Are they, but they're not as big, not as powerful? Because I, I you, like, you don't get a four-kilometre-across monster that kind of no, barrels through the southwestern suburbs of Sydney or something like yep. that. Or... And that, that's true. But also in America, it's very rare for them to get that too. That was the widest tornado they've ever recorded in history. Right, okay. Um, so even for them, that's something that was extremely rare. Now, is, in Australia... is there a reason for that? He asks, wink, wink, about, you know, changing the climate maybe. I'm just wondering, <laughs> is there any link to that whatsoever? Uh, there could be. There I, could be? That, Good answer. That's you right. know, <laughs> a lot more studying that's got to be done. Good. No, I, I agree. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, it's you know, we're, we're short-term weather and things sure. like that, so no problem. It's always you know one event, you know, it's hard to relate. So no. when anyway. I when I think of a tornado, I, I kind of think of like a, a big creature that sits on like a little tiny little tiny feet and sort of goes up like a like a funnel and. The top of it can't come away from the bottom of it. It's sort of this this entity that moves like this giant entity that moves around like a creature. But I I mean that. It's all made of air and wind. Like, how does it stay together? And what is it? Like, I'm, I, I feel like I'm thinking about it the wrong way. Yeah, I think you are. <laughs> yeah. Don't need to like, laugh at the end of that. No, it's... Yeah, I'm trying to think of the, the, the way the question was asked and look into it. Uh, what is it? Yeah, it's just a rotating column of air. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. It, so it's mm. simply... But it's... A, mm. 
But how does the column stay together? Is it yeah? Okay. Is it like a bathtub? Like it's I'm, I, I can't. Yeah, you, is can't the air is the air going from the bottom to the top? That's right. So in, in, for a thunderstorm to form, so well, I suppose we'll have to explain thunderstorms and explain tornadoes. So Excellent. you know, a thunderstorm forms obviously when you have warm, humid air at the surface, and then cool, dry air over the top. Mm-hmm. And then if you get like what we call a trough system or a dry line that you may hear in the media or things like that, or trough system here in Australia. That's kind of where you have surface convergence of the winds. So on the trough, you might have a northeasterly ahead of the trough and then a northwesterly or a westerly behind the trough. So obviously on the trough, you have convergence of winds. So obviously winds can't go down into the ground. They have to go up. So the, the, the air masses converge on the trough line or cold front and then rise. Warm, humid air rising into cold, you know, dry air is fantastic. As long as the rising air stays warmer than its surrounding air, it'll continue to rise. And that's what happens with thunderstorms. Normally, if you have a lot of cold air over a deep layer of warm, moist air, you'll get the storms just go and go and go. And you get those big, is it cumulonimbus? That's right. And those great big anvil clouds. Yes. That's right. Now, those anvil clouds are when the air mass has reached the same temperature as the surrounding air, so it's reached equilibrium level. So that's where, you know, that rising air parcel I just mentioned has then reached the same temperature as the surrounding air, so that's where it flattens out and then just spreads out back to that upper-level jet that we were talking about. So yeah. that's then that When, when you fly, you look away. down because uh, you're much higher than the clouds when you're up really, really, really high, like 30,000, 35,000. You can see the clouds just suddenly stop. They go only to a certain height and stop, and that's where the temperature's equalised. That's right. Aha, uh-huh, okay. That's right. And then if they get really, really high, that's when you go from the troposphere to the stratosphere, and obviously when you get into the stratosphere, the air starts to warm again. So even if it was warmer, it would eventually hit the stratosphere. That's on the really, really big storm mm. days, and then it just flattens out eventually because the air it's heat, hit equilibrium level, which is the same temperature as the surrounding air. Yep. So that's how storms form, right? Okay. So on that. Okay. So then the storm, they become very organised. So you're getting, it's pulling in a lot of warm, moist air from the surface. Now, as the storm gets stronger, it'll pull in more and more air, you know, into what? its storm base. And then, so it's, so it's got, it's pulling up air? Correct. Why? Digesting. Yeah. Oh, so because it's, because it's cold at the top and, warm, and, it and hot air rises. And, and hot well, air rises. Yeah, yeah. No, it's remember that convergence zone I was talking yep. about? So you've got those winds. So those winds have started the storm off, right? So the, yep. So, the, so that, that, not that easterly and the westerly have hit. And they push up. Risen up, yeah. Mm, and then yep. obviously warm air is going to continue to rise if the surrounding air is colder. Yeah. Right? So it keeps going and going and going yep. and going. Mm. Then it's hit the equilibrium. Equilibrium. Yep. Equilibrium. That word I was saying. Equilibrium. Okay. Thank you. No problem. <laughs> Level, right? <laughs> yeah. So now the storm's already formed. Okay, so okay. we've got a storm. So we've got our storm now, right? Big fluffy clouds. Big fluffy cloud, bit Lots of lightning. Lots of energy. Yeah, flashes, booms of thunder, it starts All raining. The, uh, 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 positively charged particles moving to the top, negative, well... Yeah, yeah. it's... It's, it's still, of, it's funny, in meteorology, the two biggest unknowns, we have great theories for it, but the two biggest unknowns are actually lightning and tornadoes. Great. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so it's fascinating stuff. So continue to explain them both in depth. <laughs> <laughs> Hard question. So getting there. So we've got our storm, right? Mm-hmm. Now, remember that upper level jet I was talking about as yep. well, mm-hmm. right? So that's over the top at probably 150 to 200 kilometres an hour. So the air oh. that's been come up is then quickly being evacuated at the top. Oh, okay. So the storm's like, oh, no, I'm losing 
energy or moisture. I need more. So it starts pulling in more and more from the surface, right? Because it's trying to keep that balance. Yeah. The storm is almost like you said, it's like a living entity. It wants to keep going as long as possible. So the jet's evacuating a lot of air from the top. So it's now sucking up more and more air and from the, from the surface and that warm, moist air to kind of continue its same energy. It's, it's kind of like if you had two baths that were attached with a pipe, the water would be the, the same level on each one. But if you took water out of one bath then it, the more water would come from the other one to yep. equalise the... Oh, wow, okay, cool. That's right. So that's what's happening in the, in the atmosphere in a vertical kind of, in a vertical kind of way, right? Mm-hmm. Now, as the storm at the surface level is trying to bring in more and more, more, more moist air, it kind of has to concentrate that area because it wants to, rather than get this big, wide, massive air to pull up, it's too slow. So it tries to concentrate its updraft into a smaller area to get it in quicker and up quicker to replace all the air that's going on. And, of course, this is where it gets really interesting... A lot of other things are happening, but to get back to your tornado question, this kind of updraft area concentrates and gets tighter and tighter and tighter. And, and of course, by doing that, it forms a low pressure behind it. The condensation level gets lower and lower. So the rain's always trying to kill a storm. Right, so I better explain this as well. Yeah, all right, right. Yeah, so, yeah. So it's yeah. So our, our I take back everything I said about weather not being interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's fascinating stuff. And imagine being out in a field watching this all happen. Yeah, you know, it's wonderful. It's where the science you can see it, you know, in real life, and it's fascinating stuff. So we've got our storm. Mm-hmm. Air's been evacuated out of the top. More air's been pulled in at the bottom. Rain's trying to kill it. it. Right, rain is always the killer for a storm. Eventually, if too much of the rain gets wrapped in, or it's air, a warm, moist air being pulled in is too cold. The storm dies and the storm is always trying to get away from the rain or trying so, to build and, and, the, and the rain's cold because it started up high where it's colder it's dropping down and bringing more cold to the bottom yeah where you, that's where right. the storm wants it to be hot that's right. So a storm kind of produces its own cold pool. So we had a lot of rain and ice, and so the air's gone up, it's condensed, and the air that hasn't been evacuated out the top is condensed into rain once it reaches its condensation level mm-hmm. and then falls as rain and hail. And then when that gets to the surface, it obviously evaporative cooling the rain cools the air around it. Mm-hmm. So you get a cold pool developing or an area of cold air. Now that cold air tries to spread out. So when have you ever seen a storm in the distance and all of a sudden you get that big push of cold air yeah. before yeah. it starts yeah. raining? Yes. That's the cold pool. Right. Wow. And, and that's okay. been caused by the rain falling to the air and then cooling it. And then that's a bad sign if, it, if you get that, you know, that gust of cold air you know, 10, 15 minutes before the rain. That means the storm is in a weakening mode. But if you kind of get that push and then it starts raining, this storm's still doing really well. Yeah, um, right. You probably notice you know, those okay. days when you get a storm in summer, you, know, you get that cold push of air before the storm. Mm-hmm. And eventually, if you track that storm behind past where you went, you see it eventually die. But when you get the rain before the wind, this storm's still strengthening. Mm-hmm. You know, right. okay. So it's still ingesting mm-hmm. air and the, the inflow is still stronger than its outflow. So this storm is still really keeping energy. Mm. And then, yeah, obviously the further and further that gust front gets out. So getting back to that, mm. so we have our, our updraft condensing and getting tighter and tighter. Yeah. Right? The rain and cold air is always trying to, you know, cut it off. Mm. So the storm keeps moving, then the rain keeps trying to push it off and, and cut it off. That's, not, that's an important fact in tornado genesis, if you want to talk about tornadoes. So our, our updraft is tightening and then the rain kind of comes to wrap around it. I have to show you my hands. Unfortunately, we can't. <laughs> For listeners, it's kind of like someone standing up and wrapping a scarf gently around their feet. Yeah. Scarf made of water. (laughs) For our listeners... This host is an idiot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's hard to describe. But I suppose ma- imagine, yeah, it's just hard to describe <laughs> without doing it with my hands. Do it, um, do it for us, and then yes, I will tell the listeners right, yeah. what, so, I'm, what, what, what I'm saying. Uh, we've got our storm, and the cold air is trying to 
come, so we've got our storm updraft here where the air's going straight up into the storm and then the, the rain, cold air is trying to wrap around but the inflow air is coming in through here. It's trying to cut it off. So, so the rain's trying to basically flank the storm. That's much. right. A, a yeah. Flank downdraft. Yes. Rear, they call mm. it the rear flank downdraft. Oh, there you go. And the tornado's and going it forward. It's going towards the warm air. Well, that's being well, chased well, by the cold air and, the, and then the cold air comes up on the right-hand side and starts like running with the tornado and it's trying to wrap around the front of that tornado. Yeah, it's kind of off. cool. Kind of what you, you said about stepping back a bit, it's actually this reflank downdraft that we found actually initiates the tornado. Right. And, oh, no. <laughs> and, yeah, what I mean, so what it does, as it wraps around, it kind of concentrates the updraft into a very small area. Right. And okay. as it pushes that warm, moist air into it, the, the updraft is only almost in like a, a tiny quadrant, let's say just like a little 30 or 40 degree area all of a sudden out wow. of a 360 degree oh, area. Yep. Okay. So your range wrapped right around. So all of a sudden your inflow is... Tiny. Really tiny, mm-hmm. but really strong yeah, and in that area. Yeah. And then because that's wrapped right around, it gives you that that circular motion to then finally flick that updraft up, and the updraft goes, whoosh, and then just up it goes, it and then you have a tornado, and, it starts, uh, and then it'll quickly yeah. move away from the RFD. So the RFD would fully wrap in, but the tornado jumps okay. away from that into a huge area of warm, moist air, and then the oh. next RFD tries to cut it off. So the cold air is, is adding the, the angular momentum to, to, the, to the updraft. That's the word I was looking for, yes. So, that's, so it's spinning it around. It's, it's like when you, if you hold a, a carb, a bike tyre in your hands and, and then you, you can spin it up like yep. a gyroscope. So it's like your hand on the side of the wheel is the gyroscope. It's what powers it and, that, and in, that, in this case the wheel becomes the, the tornado. Mm. Yep. And then nice. at some okay. point okay. your hand... It just gets carried away by the wheel yes, that's when right. you hit and, it. And the, yeah, the you whole lose thing. It. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, okay. That's wow. So it's it's just more and more angular momentum coming from the cold air, and then when it moves into the warm air, that's where it wants to go. You're saying then another cold draft tries the the, the rear flank. What's it called? Rear, rear flank downdraft. Rear flank downdraft tries to well gives it more angular momentum, speeds it up again, trying to cut it off and just keep spinning it up and spinning it up and spinning it up. Yep. Now, if it's too great, too much cold air, that will kill it. Correct. It? So it has to be a balancing act between the size of the, the, the rear flank downdraft and, and the tornado or the, the warm air. Correct. And, right. and okay. recently we've found yeah. out that it's only three or four, a couple of degrees. If, if right. that cold air is five or six degrees colder than mm. the inflow air, it'll just kill it automatically. And, and this is what we found wow. fascinating about the Arino day, or sorry, that really four-kilometre tornado that we talked about earlier. Mm. The rear flank downdraft was almost the same temperature as the inflow. So we think that that actually, the RFD kind of helped the whole thing become this huge tornado because the temperature was almost the same. And and it was getting that angular momentum and it didn't need to do it quickly, but it wasn't cooling it down fast enough to kill it. It wasn't killing. In fact, it was helping it along. That's right. And it was adding more energy and and that to it. So does that mean that there is is a, a very physical limit to how big and fast a tornado can be? No, yeah, there would be. Uh, there would be, but again, we don't know exactly what it is. And, and mm. the tornado last year was the biggest in recorded history because the temperatures of, of the rear flank downdraft or our cold air and our inflow air was almost the same. We'd never seen anything like that before, and, and, and for, it was fascinating. For stuff. it to yeah, be bigger, would you, could you sort of maybe surmise that the temperature difference would have to be even smaller again? 
probably with a long shot. Your shear, which is that wind we were talking about at different levels of the atmosphere, would then probably have to be stronger to sustain it. So eventually, something's going to give. Yeah. And, mm. you know, it's going to be too wet or the shear is going to be too weak or things like that. So I reckon 4Ks wide is probably the limit of a tornado. Yeah. I hate to think any bigger than that. Yeah. So I was right there and it was huge and scary. If you wanted to kill a tornado, would you be able to, just top of my head here, if you laced refrigerated pipes across a wide area and froze them, causing a lot of cold air, as the tornado came towards it, it would kill it. Would that, would that, would, is that just madness? No, no, yeah, if, you'd have to, if you got, if the, you got the storm or the tornado over a frozen lake or snow or whatever, that would kill it. That, oh, okay. So, um, as soon as it, in, soon as it starts ingesting air of the same temperature or yes. cooler than itself, yes. kills it. So, Frozone from The Incredibles, <laughs> or what's a, what's a real superhero? He would kill it, yeah. Ice yeah. Man. Ice Man could yeah. just surf in and just go... And at the bottom, and just boom, gone. Oh, hang on, yeah. hang on. Now, I recently watched the most terrible movie I've ever seen. Oh, Sharknado. Yes. I was about to comment oh, on that. Excellent. I now, and, I, on that. and I had a problem. I was watching it, and the person I was watching with it turned to me and went, because that's spoilers, spoilers for Sharknado. Sorry, listen, spoilers for Sharknado. They, he flies up in a helicopter, oh. and he throws a bomb into the tornado, the Sharknado, to kill it, because supposedly it just need, an explosion can kill a tornado. Yep. The person I was watching with turned to me and went, is that right? Because, you know, obviously I know about this. And I went, I don't think so. But now I will ask an expert. If you throw dynamite into a tornado, will that kill a tornado? Probably strengthen it. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I, I, I thought that's where you were going earlier. With the, I was about to think it's Sharknado in my head. I'm like, oh, he's going to ask the Sharknado question. It really was the worst movie ever. Another spoiler alert, the chainsaw scene. Oh, like, <laughs> <laughs> He cuts it now. Classic. Oh, inside Classic. the inside. Yeah, yes, yeah, yes. yeah. That's right. Anyway, no, you, you cannot throw bombs into a tornado. Even if a bomb, even a tornado went over a nuclear factory, it would probably keep going. Would it kill the sharks so, within the tornado, though? Absolutely. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> you know, the, the thing about tornadoes is, what's also amazing about tornadoes is the debris. If you think tornadoes go over houses and stuff, and you've got two-by-fours, tiles. I've seen bits of straw embedded up to 20 centimetres into a tree oh, or into a car tyre. I'm talking a piece of straw. Wow. wow. Okay. It's phenomenal. And I've seen two-by-fours, pieces of wood, gone through a car door, through a car seat, and out the other car oh, door. Oh, wow. So, so if you get sucked in, it's not the fact you get thrown to the air, it's you just get battered to pieces. You would get shredded. Shredded. But you would be like being in a blender. Right. Okay. Ah, this, okay. But uh, in wow. my imagination... When I'm sucked up into a tornado, I am travelling at the same rate as everything, all the two-by-fours and straw would, and the witch on a, uh, on a broomstick. Like, it's all going <laughs> at the same time, I would have thought. But that, you've, got to, you've got to accelerate first. You're, you're zero degrees. And then you're going 200 kilometres an hour. But that also, <laughs> that also can bring me to another point. That the other fascinating thing about tornadoes is, yes, you have that main tornado, but actually in a tornado, there's smaller subwater sea tornadoes inside the tornado. And they can oh, be, what? No, what? Yep. There's babies? There's babies inside a larger what? tornado, and they can be doing double the speed what? that the actual tornado is doing as well. So that explains those pictures you may have seen where a tornado has gone over a subdivision and you'll see one house is okay, the next two is completely destroyed mm. with only the slab floor left but then the one after that is fine again and just recently i saw damage recently like this last year oh, a large tornado went through a town in northern texas and gone through a housing division and so the gates to there was a gated community so mm-hmm. the gates to the gated community one of it had there was steel this is proper steel had wrapped around the concrete pole oh. where the other gate wow. was gone 
completely gone. Mm. And then I saw a house just down the road and the glass was fine. It was actually still rose petals or flowers <laughs> still on the bushes, which I just couldn't believe. And then as we went around the corner, the back of the house was gone. It was like someone wow. had come with a chainsaw and cut the house in half. What? So that would have been one of those subwater sea smaller tornadoes I was talking about. So the large tornado itself has gone over the place. Might only be getting 100, 120k winds maybe. Who knows? It's hard mm. to say. Mm. But those smaller tornadoes could have been having 300, 350 kilometre an hour winds Goodness. and moving at possibly 100, 150 kilometres an hour. So you're only going to experience these winds for a couple of seconds, or not even that, probably a second, and it's just like a big vacuum. It's just sucked up everything and cut the house in half. Yet you, if wow. you were at the front of the house, it just would have been a bit of wind, but you go to the back of your two-storey home, it's gone. It's gone. What the heck? It's That's fascinating absurd. stuff. It's so you can't... Incredible. So, so, I mean, once again, it's only a movie. In the movie Twister, spoilers for Twister, um, <laughs> I think you haven't seen it, you haven't seen it. At the end, they tie themselves to a belt and they t- to a pipe mm. inside a metal corrugated iron shed and then it goes over mm. the top of them and they see God or whatever in the eye of the storm yep. or they have, an, they have an emotional experience that brings them together yep. they fall madly in love now I'm assuming they would have just got their hands ripped off like mm. their wrists would have been torn off. out off their like they, they, they even mention <laughs> part way through that film an F Five? Yep, finger of God one mm. will rip the that bitumen off a road and it's like but this Helen Hunt's skin is not made of bitch. No, no, no. no. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, look at me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, no, I do love Helen. She'll be mad about you. Yeah, hopefully she oh, won't hear this. Hang on, hang on. Oh, that was a good one. That was a good one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what does she do these days? I, don't even, I haven't seen her in any movies lately. Like. No, not, not really. She, she heard what you said. She was upset. <laughs> Sorry, Helen, I love you. You're amazing. Please do a Twister too. <laughs> <laughs> and he'll be in it. Dean will be in it. Yeah, yeah. and That's Bill right. Paxton as well. Of course, you've got to Bill Paxton everything. You've got to have Bill Paxton. And such a great movie, but uh, <laughs> yeah. well, the Twister. Not anyway. Yes. Actually, talk about Bitchman and I have seen a couple of tornadoes that actually have ripped up road where oh, just, wow. the asphalt is gone. It's just a dirt road again. Um, and, and, and this is from the hot air coming in from the side and then just lifting up upwards and, and taking the road with it? Yeah, it's a, it's or, a combination of many, many, many factors. Or it gets um, so fast and so much suction that it's lifting the ground. Yeah, well, you just get such incredible upward motion. The whole angular momentum, mm, you know, mm, the yeah. speed skater pulls her arms in you yeah. know, and gets mm, tied up. Faster, faster, it's the same yeah. with, you know, tornadoes. Air is a thing. Air is a thing. I think the, the confusion you're having there is air, when you wave your hand around you, you're running your hand into molecules, little, little mm. balls. It's, it's giving it's, the it's, it's giving the up. it's giving the earth a big hickey. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just it's just it's like that. And, and some tornadoes can be they call it a drill bit because it just drills into the ground. It can take up to four to six inches or you know ten to fifteen centimeters wow. of gravel and dirt with it. It's just because it's just so incredibly strong. It's just like they call it drill bits and just digs into the ground as it keeps going. Heaven's above. They're fascinating stuff. Or not. Heaven's right. dead, dead center <laughs> where you are right now, which is the scary thing. Yeah, so... That's odd. It's so, incredible. But it, and another reason, obviously, that makes them strength is that instability I talked about as well. Mm. So what we call convective available potential energy. And you know, in a really moist, rich atmosphere at the surface and then really cold air above you can get up to 3,000 or 4,000 joules per kilogram of air, of energy. Okay. 
Um, so not only do you have all this as well, the tornado is also feeding off this incredibly rich moisture and the latent heat process and everything that's going on inside of it releases an incredible amount of energy, as well as the pressure gradient over tornado can be very, very large as well. And that's where your wind comes from, essentially. Think like a windy day today, you know, you've got a deep low over New Zealand and a high-pressure system out over Perth. You know, we had winds of 50, 80 kilometres an hour today in southeast Queensland, and the pressure gradient between New Zealand and, and Perth might be around 50 hectopascals or 60 hectopascals. In a tornado, you have almost a 100 hectopascal pressure gradient over 100 or 200 metres. Wow. <laughs> so that can explain your you know, 400, 500 kilometre hour winds. Yeah. So you've right. got very, very um, unstable air you know, with the you know, available potential energy. Yep. You've got the you know, winds you know, at the top, as you mentioned, you know, turning with height. Everything comes together perfectly to produce these in- incredible systems. That's amazing. So if I, was, if I was really, 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 really big and I wanted to catch a tornado in my hands, what would it feel like? <laughs> <laughs> like, it would be... I, feel like, Dan, you feel like this, hang on. No, yeah. no, no. no. I'm going to throw sand at you. It, almost exactly Thank right. you. It, it would <laughs> just be wet, windy, and like a million pinpricks in your hand okay. with all debris. And would draw it, went into your hand. And it would and it'd stop? No. It's not solid. It's just you can put your hand in and out of it. It's it's not solid. So it's you just, could if you if you, if if you were so big though, you could put your hand over the updraft entirely. It wouldn't be able to lift air up anymore, would it? That, it would that, kill it eventually. That would kill it eventually. That's right. But you'd have to be amazingly oh. big. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mountain size. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, what, yes. Like twenty k's across. Right. Okay. That forty thing. k's across, and then just block it, and then. That, okay. So if you, if you were some stuff. sort of crazy giant, in cool, space, cool. This, you're answering my question. Just how? Yeah. <laughs> I because yeah. Think I'm. I'm, I'm still bemused and, and 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 confused about how these things. Well, I'm, I'm getting my head around it. But, yeah, asking stupid questions is getting me closer getting to there. getting can I, suggesting it. Can I jump sideways here, then? Let's bring it, because we are an Australian podcast, and Australians, especially on the East Coast, we have a lot of cyclones. And those cyclones aren't a kilometre across or four kilometres across. They are hundreds of kilometres across, and they can have winds up to 300 kilometres an hour as well, as far as I'm aware. They get dangerously powerful things. Is it the same thing? Is it just much, much bigger? No, it's, it's <laughs> quite a bit different again. Ah, there you go. Okay, so that's, a, that's a different thing again. Yeah, it's a totally different thing again. Okay. And, and that's where Coriolis actually comes into a little bit for cyclones. Coriolis obviously can't come involved with tornadoes at such a small scale. Mm. You're only talking, mm. you know, kilometre, two kilometres max kind of thing, or four. You know, are very rare. So, so it's, oh, so it's just hurricanes, so, cyclones, and toilets. Yeah. Yeah. The Coriolis effect. <laughs> He's never going to let me live that down. Toilets, now, now do tornadoes always spin in the same direction? No, no. Um, ah, okay. It's the same as in the Northern Hemisphere. I always get confused. In the Northern Hemisphere, they'll spin oh, anti-clockwise. Okay, so they do follow that thing. And down here, it's, it's clockwise. clockwise. Yeah, cyclones yeah. go clockwise and hurricanes go anti-clockwise. Yes. Yeah. Typhoons are also anti-clockwise because yep. Northern Hemisphere. Okay, so tornadoes... So well, it's a low that, pressure. It's still a low pressure system, Yeah, right. So, so, so the tornadoes in the Tornado Valley... No, Tornado, tornado, tornado Valley, Valley. Sorry. They will, always get, they will always go anti-clockwise. Yep. But there right. has been the odd case where weather always does amazing things where there's actually been an anti-clockwise tornado. So oh, an anti- same as here as well. Oh, really? So they can... So you could... Wow, okay. It's so, rare, yeah. but... It has happened. And, and, yeah. and you can imagine all these storm hunters going, what the hell? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is this madness? Yeah, what? End of the world. Yeah, yeah so. <laughs> yeah, it's and fascinating it's, and, stuff. It's just, and it's actually just bringing everything back. It's putting all the stuff that it took away later and it puts it all back into builds houses and it 
That would be amazing. <laughs> probably, probably not. All, this, all these people, the whole it rebuilds a town that was destroyed twenty years ago. Isn't that how evolution works? No, uh, what? <laughs> isn't, isn't, that, isn't that the thing? You send a, tar- a tornado through a junkyard and it forms a jumbo jet. <laughs> yeah, you saying that? I just imagine there's thousands of people in this tornado who are like quickly building, you know, the walls and then painting when the tornado as it goes quick, through. The tornado's come through quick. We have two, six all seconds. Of, all of a sudden, there's a town here. It's like, yeah. wow. Yeah. So it's basically a, a Donald Duck style tornado, where it's just really, really energetic people inside there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So they, 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 okay. So we're going in cyclones. That's it. That's, that's a different but, thing again. Okay. It is, but that's just kind of yeah. It's just very, I'll, I'll quickly. I won't go into much detail, but yeah, it's just it needs really hot, warm ocean temperatures again. Coming back to everything in weather feeds off warm, moist air. But it's it's a massive thunderstorms that focus around a center point and then come together, and then everything comes together, and you get this large. It's like a and very it spins, strong. It's, it's been up because of the spin of the planet, though. That's right. That's right. right. Okay. So because you're looking at a large area, it kind of or the storms concentrate right of an area. It kind of helps it. The right. Coriolis force tries to help to spin it up, but then all the storms focus around the center of a low pressure area, and then they come together again. Ice skater pulls her arms in. The storms come together. Bang! You got this, this big spinning storm. And long as they, long as there's no shear. Which is this is a funny thing too. Quickly, tornadoes need a lot of wind with height, or you know, change in wind speed with height. Cyclones hate wind. Like if, right. It, it, it sounds weird because it's really strong and windy mm-hmm. with them. But if there's any wind in the atmosphere, it can actually wreck the cyclone. It needs no wind. The eye needs to be the same at the surface and at the 35, 40,000 feet, where tornadoes run an angle. The storm, the rain and storm needs to be here, and then the warm, moist air comes back to here. So they down, get tilted right. with the wind because that oh, rain again. Okay. If, if a tornado and all that was like that, was then totally the rain vertical. Would just That's why you get that picture of tornadoes where they are, they all stretch 45 degrees across the sky. Very rarely they are straight up and down. Oh, so, they, 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 sometimes are, but they're still. If you went up in the storm, it would still be tilted. Right. The whole okay. storm is like that. Where a cyclone is all it's, like that. It's all so, vertical up and That's down. why you can so, see the ground through the eye. Yes. So right. hang on. So okay. if you. So we glossed over something there. If the yep. storm is vertical, meaning the rain is coming straight down, and the tornado is vertical, meaning that it's straight up and down, what happens? Yeah, so if so, the storm would form, and you may have the, the rain would wrap around, and the inflow might get a very brief tornado, but then the rain would come down, kill the storm, and that's it. Because the rain is because all that cold, cold rain cold is going to land on all sides of it, and there's, then there's no warm so, front for it to that's escape right. to. The tornado is then ingesting its own air that's cooler than it, which kills it. Where the ones that go for ages is because the whole storm. I probably should mention this earlier, but there's so much no, is actually tilted that makes sense. because of the wind with height. So the rain and that's falling here, but your warm moist air is here. They're separated so, because you see, separated. yeah, they're from the surface to the into the clouds. The rain falls away from the touch point of the, that's of, right. of the tornado. That's uh-huh. right. It's like fireworks that explode into into water, and the fireworks ha- ha- keep having to rush a- along where it's dry because well, their explosion creates water that would put them out if they weren't ahead of it. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Dean is very quiet. <laughs> yeah, it makes perfect sense in my head. It's an, it, it whatever works, whatever yeah, works yes. for everyone, whatever you can imagine <laughs> it. But yeah, quickly, it's just the rain and the cold air would be here, and then the warm and, and moist air would be here, and the tornado would form right here. 
But then if that, and the storm's always moving that way. So the rain's there, the warm moist air's here, they never catch up, mm. it's all good. Yeah. For those listeners, whenever you hear Dean saying here, yes. he's doing Pull something his with his hands. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, they, yeah. they had to be separated. You try to he's used to being in front of a green screen. <laughs> very animated, very animated, yeah. So if we said before though, it's, it's the, the cold, the cold rain has to be separated from the warm air. Correct. Otherwise the whole thing dies. Correct. Uh, it, but it, and that's why the tornado is on a, on, on an angle, because that's what keeps them separated from each other. Yep. The more vertical it becomes, the more it's killing itself. To a degree, yeah. To a degree. If, if the rest of the storm is <laughs> tilted as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if the storm itself isn't tilted as well. Yes. Uh, downstream, that's right. All the cold rain, hail will just fall into the warm okay. air and then just kill it. So, is it, can, can, sorry, can I jump oh, in? Is it on? possible then? Is it, is it theoretically possible for a tornado that doesn't stop? So could it set up and then just go, oh, we're doomed. We, now we've just got this tornado. It's just never going to break down. It could. So it, you could, wow, okay. It could, but of course, you would need, you know, as soon as the sun sets or something like ah, that, okay. you're going to lose. Because you, the atmosphere cools down. You need those conditions to remain like that all the time. If you could do that, uh. of course, it could go forever. But of course, eventually you're going to lose the heating of the sun. Eventually you're going to run into cool air. If it's going too far north or in Australia too far south, it's mm. eventually going to get cold air. Yeah, right. Eventually mm. they die. But once the Bureau of Meteorology can overcome those problems, their funding is going to be in aces. <laughs> now, I, 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 this is a question that I just don't know. I don't think anyone can answer. But I'm going to throw it to you anyway. Do you know what the, the, the big red spot on Jupiter is? Ah. That's, that's a cyclone. I, oh, that, that's a rotating storm anyway mm-hmm. On, mm-hmm. in the clouds of Jupiter. Mm-hmm. Is it a tornado? No. Oh, oh, almost. Sorry. It's not no, a it, would be, it would be like, it's like a massive cyclone. Almost. Right, yeah. So okay. it would just be, Jupiter's obviously on a mass scale, as we mm. know, it's a massive mm. planet. Well, it, the, for the listeners who don't know, the big red spot on Jupiter is three times wider than the Earth. Yep. So you're talking about a storm that's three times wider than the planet <laughs> that we live on. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. It would just be like a massive, massive cyclone. So, right, okay, that's a cyclone. Uh, okay, yeah. yeah. Got yep. it. Okay. Ah, oh, um, I was hoping it was a tornado. So. Ooh, I was so excited. Yeah. <laughs> that would be a massive a tornado. <laughs> that would be a very, very big tornado. Yeah. I don't think I'd like to chase that. <laughs> and, but that's what, yes, you and, and also, because that's been around, that's been, I think they've been looking at that for oh, at least 300 years. years it's been going, years. Yep. and it's weakening, and it, and it grows, and it weakens, and it grows. And, and, and But I was wondering if it yeah, if it was, okay, so it's more of a cyclone than a, than yep. a or a hurricane than a. Which yep. one is it? I wonder. Oh, I to well, they're the same thing, just different names. Hmm. And yeah, d- d- they rotate differently, don't they? Though Depending they would. The, That's the only on difference. The latitude. Yeah, yeah. If it's north of the equator, yes. If it's north of the equator, it's anti-clockwise. Yes, yeah, yeah. South, <laughs> southern. Clockwise, clockwise yeah. yeah. I spend too many times in both hemispheres. It always gets confusing. <laughs> and in the equator, you don't get them. Uh-huh. So, yeah. uh-huh. so a tornado is pretty awesome. Like, I've never seen a tornado. You've seen a um, a fire spout, I think. You saw like a really, really sucking oh, yeah. yes, fire. Tornado. Yeah, I've seen, and I saw, I saw. I don't know. I suppose it's a tornado. I don't know what to call it. I was out at Monto, and I came out of the hotel room. Then I looked across the road. It was just you know because Monto's. Oh, was it Monto? Doesn't matter. It, it no doesn't, one recognizes no, any country no, it, towns in tiny, Australia. Tiny, tiny country. It town. was at Wallow Go Go Go. It was a it was a mining town uh, that service. That's what it's there for. It services the mining industry nearby. I came out of the out of the motel. I looked across the road and there was a, a truck car park. And I noticed it, it pretty much spun up in front of me as in. 40, 50 meters away. Yep, yep. And it was suddenly picking up dirt and debris. And it, and it was just, it was huge. It was 20 meters up. It was probably about two meters across. And it tore across this car park, this very hot car park. Mm-hmm. And it just went straight through it. And I was there going, oh my God, I got to get my camera. And I was like, I don't want to stop looking at it to stupidly take a photo of it. So I just watched it. And then it probably 
30, 40 seconds later, it died. Yeah. But, it, but it, was, it wasn't just something my height. It was huge. It was a towering yep. thing. And it was really powerful. Like, it was throwing things all over the place. But then mm-hmm. it was just gone. It was just out of nowhere. Yeah. So. Oh, they're very common. Uh, they're very common in, in the outback and in country towns. Right. Even, I mean, even over paddocks and farmland as well. Yeah, they're dust devils, willy-willies, whatever you want to call them. They're mm. the same thing. Nothing to do with... Well... They spin, they're gusty, they pick up stuff like a tornado, mm. but that's where the similarities end. So it's not a tornado? No, not at all. Oh. Normally, they form on hot sunny days. Yes, it was. It was a hot You rarely afternoon. see them on a cloudy day. And, and that's mainly for the fact these form where you have heating differences over land. Mm. So let's say you've got a ploughed paddock and a non-ploughed paddock for any farmers out there. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, so you'll have a ploughed paddock would just be all the dirt's turned up, but a non-ploughed paddock may have you know grass and weeds still on it. Right? The sun heats both of these land masses, but of course the ploughed paddock heats up a lot faster of than course. the ploughed paddock. Yeah. So yeah. Then, that, yeah, <laughs> that's then, how it happens. That's like, right. yeah. <laughs> Everyone knows this fact. Dan so. wouldn't even know what a paddock is. <laughs> So what happens is that air quickly rises and then the air from the unploughed paddock then rushes in and then sometimes you can get spin-ups in this replacement of air and that's where your dust devils and dust devils are in that form. Okay. And they can, they'll keep going until, yeah, obviously, again, the air that ingests or whatever equals out and then yeah. it just dies. And it just dies yeah. straight away. So uh, what, I imagine there are heaps of exciting weather phenomenon. Is, are there some that you've sort of are on your bucket list that you haven't yet seen yet? Ooh, I've been or lucky. some that you I've, really liked? I've almost seen everything. My favourite is freezing rain. This is, this is very That's interesting. A, I'm, I'm walk through that all the time in <laughs> you think temperate you Brisbane. You think you have, but you haven't. Freezing rain <laughs> is an amazing concept and only really happens in the US, parts of Europe, and it'd be very rare to get it here. But what it is is the surface conditions are below freezing, right? So it's minus one, minus two at the surface. Mm-hmm. But then above the surface, it's 10, 12, 14 degrees, it's warm and moist. So anyway, long story short, you get rain, but the depth of cold air at the surface isn't deep enough for it to go into sleet or snow. Right. But everything it hits, it freezes. So everything gets covered in ice. Power lines, cars, trees, everything. But it's still raining. If you walked out in it, it would still be rain. If you walk out with an umbrella, it would still be rain until your umbrella then become minus one or minus two, and then you get a layer of ice forms on your umbrella, <laughs> and you're walking around going, why is my umbrella really heavy? You tilt it, and all this ice falls off. Wow. Um, it's fascinating stuff, and, yeah, that's where you see everything gets caked in ice, yep. and you actually get trapped in your home because you can't, once the roads and footpaths also cool down to zero minus one, Everything's covered in ice. And your car gets cased in ice and gets stuck to the ground. You've got to chip it out. And Yeah, <laughs> freezing rain's amazing where it, it's still raining, mm. but everything it touches is below freezing, so it turns to ice on trees. Everything gets caked in ice. It's beautiful, absolutely fascinating. But, of course, you lose power. Mm. You can't go anywhere. I imagine there'd be some know. roofs caving in. Uh, yes, yes. Yeah, Every plant house. would die unless it evolved so. to survive it, I suppose. <laughs> it just, that's it, frozen. I mean, it just frees up the plant, destroy the plant cells. Yeah, yep. yeah. Well, actually, no, it actually encases them. Mm. It's really fascinating. And then two or three days later, it melts, and then the flowers come oh, out Oh, they're again. fine. Okay, yeah. right. It doesn't kill them. So oh, there you go. It's, it's fascinating it's, stuff. Okay. That's, but, wow. Yeah, it's a good question. That's probably my favourite weather element, and tornadoes and hail. I've seen dust storms and heat waves and drought we've all kind of seen. I had a, floods. I had seen. a cousin who got concussed by a hailstorm. Yes. Because uh, it was one of those, I have a good memory from my childhood, and we were all, it was a family Christmas time, which is time for storms in Queensland, and 
and uh, and and the hail suddenly happened, and and my father was like, "Don't go out there, cousin, and, you know, nephew." And, and he went, "I'm gonna go get some ice." And he, went, and he, got, he got clogged. Yeah. And, he, and I, he had a horrible moment where you're like, "Oh, I think he's dead," because yeah. <laughs> he just he just went down. Like he suddenly just hits the ground. Yeah. You, didn't, you don't see the ice that hit him because it's moving too fast. He just suddenly just collapsed. Yeah. And you're pulling him in, going, "Oh, he's got a big lump on his head," and yeah, he got he got hammered by something that's probably like a, a child's fist size. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. "He didn't die. He's all right. He's fine." Yeah. <laughs> just so you know. Yeah, normally, yeah, normally for damage-wise, you start getting cracks in your windshield with golf ball and larger. Mm. Tennis balls start becoming quite damaging. Mm. Soft balls then would go straight <gasps> through your windshield. Oh. You know, and talk about that large tornado as well, just very quickly, that 4K wide storm. That had 10 to 12 centimetre size hail with it as well. What? So if you didn't That's get hit by the tornado, sand. yeah, you were getting hit by bigger than grapefruits. Uh, Bloody hell! Yeah, well, what this the- year, November last, <laughs> November last year here in Maroochydore, they had ten centimetre sized stones um, hit them this year. So that's nuts. That's softballs. So yeah, that- hail can if again if things come together, yeah. you can get really really large hail. And Queensland and northeast New South Wales does get a lot of big hail days. Mm. Mm. So, yeah. Oh wow! But yeah, good question. I think yeah, freezing rain, dust storms. I, well, I grew up in the country, so I saw a lot of dust storms and then mud rain, where you have a dust storm. And then the dust storm was still going, but then the rain had come, and then it would just rain in the middle of the dust storm, and everything would just get caked in mud. Oh, <laughs> yuck. It was incredible. Your cars, <laughs> the grass, everything. It was disgusting. So, yeah, sleet, snow, seen all that stuff. That's really cool. Um, obviously, I've been in 45-degree temperatures. That's hot. Oh, yeah. Um, mm. Although I'd rather be stuck outside all day in 45 degrees or 48 mm-hmm. than I would be in minus 20. I felt both, and minus 20... It's horrendous, no matter how you put it. I don't mm-hmm. know how they live yeah. in Canada and Europe I, and places like that. Siberia, I, where it's minus 50. I know we can die here. I know you could die, but my, I have family who live in Scotland. Oh, yeah. And, and you could make a mistake such as you could go, I'm going to go out drinking with my friends, and you don't take the right clothes and you get locked out. That could kill you. Yeah. You could be dead yeah. in the morning. You might not make it because yep. you're too drunk you just, and suddenly you're dead. And you, I don't think in Australia you could go out for a night on the town, no. be too drunk and fall asleep on your veranda and wake up dead. From the weather. From the weather. From now, the, weather. The, 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 the drop bears might the, get you. Yeah. Oh, I love a good drop bear. <laughs> yeah, they're shocking. <laughs> the and, snake. And, 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 and it sounds like we've come to the very extent of crazy weather is bears dropping out of the sky. I, you? So. I would like to thank Dean Narimore for coming on to Smart Enough to Know thank Better. Thank you very much, Dean. Thank you very much. I now That's have a, uh, a healthy terror of being outside. Crap! I know. Weather! I, I, I'm much more excited about it. I'm much more enthused. <laughs> That's amazing. Like, as in, we, we just scratched the surface. And what's really interesting, listeners, is after we stopped recording, we had to finish up, we just kept asking Dean questions. And he just kept answering more and more questions. He kept going, well, that's a whole different podcast. I'm like, really? Really? <laughs> that's so very exciting. We may, if he if he goes down as well with the audience, yes. with us, we may get Mr. Narrowmore back on the podcast. Once he's gone, come back from America, chasing storms mm. like a real man, not like his Bambi Pambi podcasters like us. He's out there chasing storms. I'm out there chasing nice sunny days. <laughs> now remember, ladies and gentlemen, we are coming up to an interesting period of Smart Enough to Know Better where Dan is going away to the Netherlands. To the Netherlands? Sure. Sure. To the nether parts. To the nether parts. He's going to the, his going ne- to the nether regions. He's going to the nether regions. And therefore, we need you to tell us which parts in the past of the podcast you like the best. Because we want to do like a, a best of. In the last four years or so, or just, or just under four years, we want to try and put it all together. The best of Smart Enough to Know Better. Crypto zoos, interviews, 
uh, sketches. Other things. Other things we did. Things that we have done that you've enjoyed. We want to put we it all together. We made it, we can't remember. That's right. You listen to them, you tell us. It's a thing where you're like, well, obviously, it, Greg and Dan, it's that bit. That, you idiots. That, and that's the part we want to hear again. We want to put it all together. The best of. So if someone says, what, how good is this podcast? You can go, look at this best of. It's brilliant. And they'll go, that's amazing. Hmm. Now, don't just call it out into the air. No. You need to email it to Dan at smartenough.org. Or Greg at smartenough.org. But awesome. more, but more likely, Dan. Possibly. <laughs> possibly you could get on the Twitters and you could send oh, your yes. ideas to... At SE2KB. Or Facebook it as well, SE2KB. If you wanted to post it to iTunes, that would be confusing. <laughs> but, hey, you'll be there already while your rating is a big five stars yeah, and right. maybe writing a review. Yes, you should write a review. You'll feel better because, you know, you're not paying for this. Well, maybe emotionally, but you're not paying financially. Review us. Review us well. Maybe you need to go into a little bit of a powwow with some other listeners to decide <gasps> which your favourite thing is. Uh. Where could they go to do that? Some sort of fora, some sort of area of, of of Romans hanging around talking about things. Maybe you could go to the website and click on the forum button. <sighs> yeah. Crazy. But, and yeah, send us what we, what we want to hear. Yes. Or what, what you, you want to hear. hear. We, we, we want to hear ourselves. What I want to hear is Greg say, nah, just take the whole three, five weeks off, Dan. That's not That's going fine. to happen. That's not going Don't to happen. Don't bother editing more stuff. No, we're going to have it done. Workload. We're going to put it all together. We're going to put it all together. Yes, it's going to be brilliant. It's going to be great. Whole world on a plate. It's going to be starting here, starting. Now, I don't know. I became Ethel Merman suddenly. I don't know what happened there. But we definitely need the audience to tell us the parts you like the best, what you'd like to hear, what should go into the best of Smart Enough to Know Better. And as we always like to say, you can't stop the science tornado with bombs. I'm the only one who's too loud. Right. Me, me? I'm not too loud? Well, you are now. Oh, obviously. <laughs> How about now? Yeah, that's fine. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. So i got to be a little bit further back. I feel like we're filming for an animation movie. You know? It does. <laughs> it does. We're, and we're probably the same level of silliness, to be perfectly yeah, honest. Yeah, yeah. Great, great. So, yeah. Pixar. I, the reason for that is that we both seem like cartoon characters. Yes. To many people. <laughs> larger than life. <laughs> Two-dimensional. Two-dimensional. I'll, I'll go with larger than life. All right. So, so. But, uh, yeah, you can say a bit of that. You know, do that, what I do and whatnot. Hmm. That's She's right. not allowed to mention the evil weather machine that you guys are working on. <laughs> the targeting system. I wish... Uh, oh. Yeah. I wish we could. Like, it's funny how so many people think we do and whatnot. Because uh. we're a government agency. Wait, wait, do you, you on wish, a completely you unrelated wish, note. You wish you could talk... We're recording now. <laughs> I was about to say. <laughs> you're probably recording, so I better stop. <laughs> So you wish you could talk about the evil weather machine or you wish you had an evil weather machine? <laughs> That's the important thing. Yeah.